In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 363rd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where the Falcons put out a wild one in overtime, 37-34 to over the Carolina Panthers to secure first place in the NFC South. The Falcons improved to 4-4 four and four on the season. The Panthers dropped to 2-6. and six, And the Falcons have a game lead over the Saints and the Buccaneers, who are both at 3-5. and five. No one expected this, but it's happened. The Falcons are in first place after eight games and will, will welcome the Los Angeles Chargers into the Mercedes-Benz Stadium next Sunday. So let's get to this thing. It was a wild and crazy day here at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Three touchdowns in the final three minutes and six seconds. Field goal kicker, poor guy, Eddie Panera, missed an extra point. Great call by the Falcons to to take their uh, penalty on the kick. They they could have did it on the kickoff return, but they moved the kicker back far enough after DJ Moore, uh, unsportsmanlike penalty. And he missed it. And then the Falcons looked dead again in overtime. Uh, Mariota got picked trying to hit uh, Demir Bird on a deep ball. The uh, Panthers returned that thing all the way back down the field and uh, had a, had him lined up for another 32-yard uh, field goal that was closer than the extra point. And he went wide left again. So the Falcons with extra life and overtime promptly went down the field and got into field goal range for young way Koo, who came through with a clutch 41 yard field goal for the victory here today on Sunday. So let's get right to it. We're going to hear from Arthur Smith, Marcus Mariota, kicker young way Koo, uh, Demir bird, Jake Matthews and Mikhail Walker here today after this victory from the Atlanta Falcons. So let's get right to Coach Smith on the challenges of keeping emotions in check during a game like that. Well, you just try to stay as even as possible. I mean, that's what you train yourself to do as a play caller, head coach, and uh, you try as best as you can to stay stay neutral. One thing I got upset up, you know, I, I let my emotions possible call, you know, trying to take a chunk to get in the uh, field goal range. But, you know, I didn't get a good look at it, but that was the only time I – wasn't real happy with myself to show that emotion because you got to make a lot of decisions. There's a lot of things that came up. Do you take the, the penalty on the extra point? Or do you try to take it because you're potentially down one, you got 12 seconds, one timeout? Do you take it for field position, see if you can get a chunk, you know, use the timeout and like who went it there? There's a lot of things going on there. So you choose to move it back. You happen to miss it, take a shot. You know, we didn't think, we kind of blocked it up to try to take one to see what would happen. Took it overtime, took the ball. You know, try to take another shot off a look we had seen, and they played it well, and they hit Marcus as he threw it. They get the ball back, <laughs> decide to freeze him. I mean, there's a lot going on there, and you've got to stay even. 
Because if you don't, you're going to hurt the team. And, I, and that's what I try to pride myself on is, is being neutral. Yeah, no doubt that, that what he was talking about, uh, being upset with himself, was uh, he thought it was a DPI call there with like 12 seconds ago. Uh, they didn't call it and let him keep playing there. So we, that's what he was talking about there. Another thing was, uh, hey, how about his team keeping their composure during these peaks and valleys in this game? Well, you just try to stay as even as possible. I mean, that's what you train yourself to do as a play caller, head coach, and uh, you try as best as you can to stay stay neutral. One thing I got upset up, you know, I, I let my emotions possible call, you know, trying to take a chunk to get in the uh, field goal range. But, you know, I didn't get a good look at it, but that was the only time I – wasn't real happy with myself to show that emotion because you got to make a lot of decisions. There's a lot of things that came up. Do you take the, the penalty on the extra point? Or do you try to take it because you're potentially down one, you got 12 seconds, one timeout? Do you take it for field position, see if you can get a chunk, you know, use the timeout and let Koo win it there? There's a lot of things going on there. So you choose to move him back. You happen to miss it, take a shot. You know, we didn't think, we kind of blocked it up to try to take one to see what would happen. Took it overtime, took the ball. You know, try to take another shot off a look we had seen, and they played it well, and they hit Marcus as he threw it. They get the ball back. <laughs> Tried to freeze him. I mean, there's a lot going on there, and you've got to stay even. Because if you don't, you're going to hurt the team. And, I, and that's what I try to pride myself on is, is being neutral. Yeah, no doubt. That was the DJ Moore 62-yard catch that kind of caught them off guard. That's what he's saying there. They're wasn't in Hail Mary a second down. They're playing deep cover two in um, – then you end up with DJ Moore running through the zone with Marlowe and Rashard Evans. So he would have liked to have uh, Armstrong or uh, one of the runners, uh, Darren Hall, with him, you know. Uh, but that was a good call by Steve Wilson, Carolina. Uh, caught him off guard with the. Uh, they had plenty of time. They caught him off guard with the early Hail Mary and uh, almost won the game on that. But the field goal kicker did not come through for them. So we also wanted to hear from Coach uh, Smith on Marcus Mariota and Demir Bird, who's stepping forward as a playmaker here in the, in the seventh and eighth games of the season. Had the 75-yard catch at Cincinnati last week and a 47-yard catch today. Let's hear what Coach Smith has to say about Marcus Mariota and Demir Bird. Yeah, both those guys. Obviously, the game, you know, we came out and we had been working on. Didn't start very great for us right uh, early on. We had the drop. We took the shot, they picked it, and he came back, and I thought he played pretty damn good football. And uh, he's a resilient guy. And then same thing in overtime. Tried to take a shot, risk-reward. Obviously, they, they, they played it better than we did. And for him to come back, D-led, get the ball back, and that play, I mean, that was, that's why we believe in Marcus. Not many guys can make that play. And Demir, another guy, been in our program, guy been around the league, just kept working. And Demir is a guy that we got a lot of faith in, and, and He's proved himself the last two weeks. Caught the 75-yarder since he, and then today on that one, Marcus was able to, to extend that play and, and really the finish and the effort on the guys. Not only when Demir caught it, when he put his foot in the ground, and, and the guys and the effort of the whole team right there was pretty cool to watch. Yes, no question about it. Demir Bird is uh, making himself a little name here in Atlanta, making big plays on the offensive side of the ball. So Marcus Mariota had a, quite a slow start there. Pitts dropped the one early, then he threw a uh, interception on the second play, trying to go to Bird, and then uh, you know at one point hit twelve in a row. So let's talk with Marcus here about uh, this probably being one of the craziest games he's ever played in. 
man, the NFL, it's wild, right? I've been a part of a couple, um, you know, last year with, with the Raiders at the end of the season with the Chargers game. Um, but this is probably definitely at the top. And uh, just unbelievable job by our guys of just staying in the moment, staying present, understanding that, you know what, if there's time on the clock, we got a chance. Yep, no doubt. And uh, they were dead a couple times. Uh, if the kid makes the uh, extended extra point, you know, maybe, you know, they get the DPI. But, hey, they're up 35-34. If the kid makes the kick in overtime, they're they're done because the Falcons already had their guaranteed possession and had threw the interception. So um, when they see that kick go wide left, the people that that didn't give up on the team and stayed, they started cheering. The place went nuts. And so I wanted to know from Marcus what was going through his mind when they got another chance in overtime. Really just comes down to executing, right? Um, giving another chance to go and, and win the game. And, you know, again, like I said, great job by our coaches, um, by the entire offense of finding ways to make plays to give Ku a chance at the end of the game. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, uh... You got a secret weapon if your kicker's clutch. And so we asked Marcus about the value of young Wei Ku. I can't explain how valuable he is, not only to this team, but um, really to football, right? Like he, I think he's got such a cool demeanor. Um, he goes about his business the right way. He's always working hard. Um, so it's no surprise to me when things get down to the wire that he makes these kicks. All right, no question about it. A clutch job there by a young way Koo, and Marcus certainly knew when he got him in the field goal range here. Let's uh, take a look at some offensive notes here from this one. Just some general notes, then we'll go to the offensive notes. They had 100, 406 total net yards, including 167 rushing. Okay, the Falcons converted 6 of 12 on third downs. While the uh, defense limited Carolina to 5 of 13 on third down. The uh, defense forced their 11th turnover of the season. An interception that was returned for a touchdown by linebacker Lorenzo Carter. 28-yard touchdown run. And then Atlanta had a seventh defender recorded an interception this season. That was Carter. He also had the fun block um, punt return for a touchdown against the Rams. So he's got two touchdowns this season. Then uh, Atlanta improved to 18-23-2 in overtime games in its first overtime game since week 17 of 2019, which was a win, a Jameis Winston walk-off win at Tampa Bay. That's what he threw to pick the Dion. So for today, Chris Lindstrom served as the Falcons' sixth captain. And just uh, some more offensive notes here. Marcus Mariota was 20 of 28. 71.4% for 253 and three touchdowns and a 105.2 passer rating. Mariota also finished with 43 yards rushing on six carries and a season long of 30 yards. That was the overtime run to get Koo into field goal range. Caleb Huntley rushed for a career high 91 yards on 16 carries, including a long of 30 yards. Tyler Algier, they were getting to him pretty quick. He only had 39 yards on 14 carries, but he caught three passes for 46 yards, including a 25-yard touchdown reception. He is the first Falcons rookie to have one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown in the first eight weeks of the season. 
since Lynn Kane and William Andrews in 1979. According to True Media, he's the fourth player in club history to accomplish the feat. Andrew Kane and Bubba Bean. All the old heads know who those people are. Bubba Bean was a bad dude out of Texas A&M. Uh, Kyle, you can go look up, look him up. Everybody knows William Andrews. He was out of Auburn. And Lynn Kane was a fine running back, too. So Kyle Pitts had five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown the second of the season. It was the uh, second quarter touchdown was his second uh, in, a, in a consecutive home game with a score. That's a neat minus note there, but there it is. Uh, Demir Bird, three receptions for 67, second one, and the seventh of the career. He had a 47-yard touchdown reception in the fourth quarter, his fifth of 45 yards or more. So there are the offensive highlights for the Atlanta Falcons from this game. Right now, we're going to toss to the break. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We're going to start with um, some defensive notes. Here and then we'll we'll go and we'll hear from uh, Young Way Koo and uh, Young Way Koo, Demir Bird, and Jake Matthews and Mikael Walker here. So Mikael Walker led the team with a career high eleven tackles, one tackle for loss. He's had eleven three times this season. Rashard Evans had nine tackles. Now y'all remember want that's good you want the linebackers with all the tackles don't want the safeties with all the tackles so the falcons have gotten better with this lorenzo carter had four tackles uh, one pass deflection one interception uh, his first of the season and second of his career carter returned the interception 28 yards for a touchdown we, we covered that uh, let's skip down to taekwon graham finished uh, with a career high seven tackles in four solos taekwon graham did a story on him and uh, his uh, journey in the league. One guy that's interesting, we're gonna we got to get uh, to his story too. Is Timmy Horn? He had a career high four tackles. Grady Jarrett had four tackles and two tackles for loss. His second game with multiple tackles for loss. Now y'all know AJ Terrell was out, so the Falcons had to start Cornell Armstrong and Darren Hall because you know Casey Hayward's going for the season. Coach Smith gave both of those guys compliments. He he dismissed their stats but said they did a good job here today. And Isaiah Oliver stayed in the slot at Nickelback. But Armstrong, who was signed to a one-year contract on Saturday, uh, moved up to the active roster from the practice squad. 
He finished with three tackles and a career-high three pass breakups. All right, now special teams. Now, it started out as a punt fest early, so I'm interested in um in Bradley's numbers here. But, of course, Youngway Koo was 3-3 three three on his field goals. Uh, his 17th career game with at least three field goals and two extra points for 11 points. His 41-yard game winner in overtime was the first game winner of this season and the fourth of his career. All right, since joining the Falcons in 2019, Koo is 9-14 in the fourth quarter of overtime when the Falcons are tied or trailing by three or fewer points. Bradley Pinion punted four times for 210 yards. I knew it was over 50. Yep, 50 52.5. And he placed three of the four punts inside the 20. Uh, Bradley Pinion's 52.5 net punting average was the fourth highest of his career. So there you go. Those are the big key notes here coming out of the, the game. And let's go back and hear from a few uh, more players as we move forward here on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. So we wanted to know from Young Way Koo, um his thoughts on the game-winning kick. It was Liam's first game-winning snap, and um, he did a great job. It was, it was a money snap, money hold by Bradley, and the front guys did a great job blocking, so it uh, just made my job easier. And when you see that uh, Marcus is on the loose and, and you kind of cross your field goal range number, uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about on the sideline there? Um, just staying ready. You know, I know we're in that range now. Offense did a great job driving down the field, getting to the field goal range. So um, I'm just getting locked in on my process, getting ready to go. Um, have you been in a, a game that has been this while at the end? Man, I think we've been in plenty of those, but at the end of the day, I'm happy it went our way today. How can a, can a win like this be pivotal for the for the team that's you know trying to find its way this year? You know, every win is big, but it's the divisional game. We understand that, and we understand what's at stake, and we just gotta keep going. We just gotta keep keep going, keep going back to work, and uh, keep improving. All right, we talked earlier about wide receiver Demir Burton. I remember um, him from a couple years ago. The Falcons were playing out in Arizona. He got deep, beat Isaiah Oliver on a bomb. Kyler Mary hit him in stride. You know, this kid's been he's been bouncing around. We're going to hear a lot about his story over the next few days. So, um, you know, I wanted to to hear from him today. You know, hey, you know, we talked about some plays and, you know, his journey in the NFL. And um, it's his eighth year. He was an undrafted guy. And uh, we'll be hearing more from Demir this week about his story and how he's helping the Falcons. The first place Falcons this season by becoming their over-the-top threat. How did it feel to get a win like this today and crazy, crazy game? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those games that you hope you're never in a game like that. You know, there's so many ups and downs. Um, but we were able to fight through, you know, three phases, offense, defense, special teams. Everybody stepped up exactly when they needed to, um, and we were able to get it. Can you tell us about, you know, people here about your journey? I remember you in Arizona when the Falcons played out there, getting deep on them then, and just kind of what your journey's been like to this point. Yeah, um, eight years in, undrafted, started started as practice squad, um, and just really just put my head down and grind. Um, you know, believed in myself, believed in my coaches and teammates, um, you know, and this, this league is about the ups and downs, and you know, you're gonna play bad, you're gonna play great, um, and it's all about just kind of staying level. Um, and you know, I've been able to fight, fight my tail off, and I've been able to make good plays, and 
and now hopefully he'll continue to do so. And talk us uh, through the four to seven yard uh, touchdown run. Looked like a, a curl or hook or whatever y'all call it, and uh, looked like Kyle got got a little help from Kyle and Drake on that play. Yeah, um, I was I was kind of the backside of the play. Mm -hmm. um, Marcus, you know, as he does always, a great job of extending plays and and uh, finding finding guys that's open. Um, and, and once I kind of caught, caught the ball, I knew everybody was over the top, and it was really just trying to find green grass and, and follow, the, follow the big guy, the big strong guy. You know, they're going to get those good blocks. Um, and that was it. All right, Jake Matthews, left tackle. He's been around through thick and thin. He's, he's the last holdover from uh, the Mike Smith era and survived it, you know, made it through, was with them, a key cog during the Dan Quinn era. Uh, and he's he's been around for some, some wildness, you know, including the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, he says it doesn't matter how they win. It's just good to get the win. Here's Jake. It doesn't matter what it looks like. The goal is to win. And um, no matter what it takes, however we got to score, it's defense, offense, special teams, we all got to work together and find a way to win. And, you know, sometimes it's not always the prettiest, but, you know, this was a great team win. I think we, we learned a lot about ourselves and grew a lot of confidence from it. And, um, you know, Sky's limit from here, so we got to continue building. Yeah, no question about it. We wanted to know from Jake what they learned about the team today. We have what it takes, no matter the circumstance. Um, there's a lot of scenarios where you know a lot of teams, you know, might have count, counted themselves out, but you know we just kept fighting. And, You want to play harder for the guys next year is you know we don't have any quitters on this team so um they were a really good team uh, carolina that is they came out today and they made a lot of plays and you know, thankfully we made just a few more yeah no no quitters on the team that is a thing that you know uh bodes well for the falcons they have played hard no matter what even when they fell behind at la fell behind the tampa bay played hard and even falling behind to the Bengals, 21 to nothing so, you know, you keep playing and, you know, at some point, maybe things go your way. Maybe they don't. Certainly today things did. And uh, that's one of the things that Jake says he learned about the team. So uh, the defense, uh, you know, the yards aren't going to look good. The stats aren't going to look good. But that they, they touchdown helped them win the game. Got to get those turnovers. And they got one today. And that's going to be uh, but they gave up, too. So. That's going to be, they're going to be down to plus one. That's going to drop them down a little bit in the turnover takeaway ratio uh, when we check that uh, going into this game against the Chargers. So uh, defensively, you know, M Mikael Walker led the team in tackles, and we wanted to discuss with him uh, how this team will never quit. Just a bunch of ups and highs and lows, you know, but at the end of the day, this team never going to quit. We lean on each other, you know, some, some good happens with each other, some bad happens with each other. So we're never going never gonna to quit. We're always going to fight to the very end. All right, and they fought to the end and overtime today and got the W. Hey, he's been around. Uh, he was drafted by the old regime uh, and, and has, you know, been through some tough times here with the Falcons. So he didn't downplay the fact that being in first place was a big deal to him. So let's hear from Walker about being uh, in first place and what it means to him. Anytime you're in first place, and like I said before, the guys have been here a couple of years, you know, this is this means a lot to us. So, um, I mean, it's just been going on year three, and, you know, now we're in first place, so just not look back. 
All right, that's what he said. Not look back. Hey, uh, I double checked my notes. This is the 364th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. You want to thank you for listening. Uh, in the in the uh, rush today, we forgot the mailbag, but we'll be back next week to take your questions after the Chargers game with our executive producer Donya Solerson, and uh, we'll be back on point and get that back on track next week for the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. So with that, we're going to say take care and have a great rest of your week. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.